by a show of hands, how many of you have ever trained for something? Like really trained, trained. Yeah, a lot of you, right? So we know what this feels like. Uh, a long time ago, I used to be a runner. I'm more of a jogger these days. But when I used to be a runner, it involved training. I'd go to the gym and I'd run on treadmills in the winter, believe it or not. I'd run outside in the winter till I had icicles hanging from my eyelashes. I would train with a running friend of mine who would run just a step behind me and hit my elbow to make me go faster. There were speed training days where you would sprint for a minute and then walk for a minute and then sprint for two minutes and then walk for two minutes all the way up to five or six and then you'd go back down. Those were horrible. And there were the dreaded hill days. I would run by the Mississippi River and you'd go all the way down one of those big long hills and then you'd sprint up and then you'd walk all the way down and you'd sprint up. They were brutal. And the bummer is that despite all of this hard work and training of my mid-twenties, it is all gone because I stopped running for a while. Instead of my long runs being a cool six or seven miles, I'm lucky if I get two, maybe three. And I'm slow. There's none of this pacing or sprinting happening in my life anymore. We often think about training as something physical. How many of you, when I said training, thought of a physical thing that you trained for? Yeah, most of the same people. We train our bodies to do something they hadn't been able to do before, like run or lift heavy things or hike mountains or swim. But training can also be used for non-physical things. In yoga, we talk about controlling the breath in order to control the mind. In meditation, you try to quiet your mind. And it's not that you don't have any thoughts, because if you're anything like me, you always have a million thoughts in your head all the time, but to control what thoughts you follow. I've been doing this with Layla lately. She's not in here to tell you about it, but you can ask her, um, where we say to think about your mind like a train station, and trains come in and go out and come in and go out. So those are thoughts. They come in and go out, and you get to choose what trains you get on, and what trains you watch go by. So we do that when she's scared, usually. Watch that train go. We learn new skills like cooking or baking by training and doing them in a repetitive daily practice, right? And even in our life of faith, we have to train ourselves. There's a lot of things in the life of faith that just aren't natural. They don't come to us easily. We train ourselves to look at the world in new ways. We train ourselves to look at people like children of God instead of people who are different than we are. We have to train ourselves to open our Bibles and create healthy habits. All of these require training. You might remember that statistic that says it takes six weeks to build a habit. So doing something daily for six weeks. That's training. We are training our brains to learn a new skill and to make it a part of who we are. So when you've reached a goal or you've accomplished a task or you learn a new skill, then your training is, for the most part, kind of done. And you just get to keep doing it. In today's gospel, we come across Jesus praying for his disciples. You might remember from previous sermons from both me and Chad, John's gospel is all about relationship. This is the lens through which you should always read John. 
And today is no different. Jesus is giving us so many clues about his purpose here on earth, his relationship with the disciples, and his relationship with God. So knowing he is about to leave them, Jesus takes time to pray for them in what they will face in the months and days and years ahead. I think it's important to understand that this text, the one we heard today, is a prayer. Jesus doesn't tell his disciples these things as commands. He doesn't stand in front of them and tell them to do these things. They overhear it. I always wonder if Jesus prayed knowing that the disciples hear what he was saying, if maybe that changed the content of the prayer at all. It's kind of a wordy prayer, right? It's easy to get lost in all the prepositions and pronouns that this text is filled with. And we often do. So today we're going to take the role of the disciples and kind of listen in a little more carefully to what Jesus is saying. Prayer is one of those things that is a training activity. It's intimate. It's vulnerable. Praying where other people can hear you feels like one of the most vulnerable and scary parts of our faith. We do not like to pray out loud, right? Right? Yes, I know, you know, I know you're with me. In fact, most of us would never choose to pray out loud if we could help it. Just think about it. We gather in small groups or around dinner tables and we say who wants to close us or open us in prayer and all of a sudden everyone looks down, right? That's what happens. They all look down or like really high up and around. Please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. You can almost hear that phrase going around people's heads as we sit together. Even here on Sunday mornings during our prayers, we give Space for people to name out loud. We say out louder in the silence of our hearts. And what do you think most people choose? The silence of their hearts. They don't choose the out loud part. And even if they do, the out loud is like, really, really, really quiet, right? We know, no, really, we don't really say it loud enough to be heard. Even though, yes, God hears it, but not anybody else. We don't want anybody else to hear it. When someone is going through something difficult, we often say, I'll pray for you, instead of, can I pray for you, and how about we do it right now? Right? That's terrifying. And it's intimate. It's a part of us that we don't often share or want to put out there. I think this is because a lot of us are nervous that we're going to say the wrong thing or we're going to sound dumb or we're going to forget and just have a long extended um or silence in the middle of a prayer. Or we don't really know what makes a prayer a good prayer or a bad prayer. And yet today we get to listen in on the Son of God as he prays. Today's gospel selection is in the midst of a much larger prayer, all 26 verses of chapter 17, we only heard the first 11, are a prayer that Jesus says to God. He prays for himself, his disciples, and then the world. And if prayer is something with which you sometimes struggle, I'd recommend reading all of John's 17th chapter. Today we heard this little part of Jesus praying to God on behalf of his disciples. On behalf of the disciples, 
these guys, these ragtag, stumbling, bumbling, failing, doubting, denying, fearful group. Jesus knows he's about to leave them, and this is the last thing that he does. He prays for them. Sure, he's given his words of wisdom too before this, and he spent three years teaching them what he thinks they need to know. But in this moment, in his final minutes on earth, Jesus instead turns to God and says, These guys were mine, but now that I'm not going to be here anymore, they're yours. He uses the phrase, You gave them to me, referencing the disciples four times in these 11 verses. It's an important detail that we miss in all the yours and mines and thems and theys, right? There were a lot of those words in there. It's hard to keep it all straight. But Jesus knows that the disciples have been given to him to teach and to walk alongside him, and now they're being sent. He's almost saying, I came and I taught these guys how to be in relationship with you. We've been training. And now the training is finished and they are ready. They're yours again. I've done what I came to do, he said, and they know you. That was my plan. They are in relationship with you. Remember a couple weeks ago I said, if you know me and you do, then you are mine, right? Then you know God. If you know me, Jesus says, and you do, then you know God. This is all about relationships. And the last thing he says to the disciples is a prayer to God instead, saying, I've done what I came to do, and they now know who you are. They are ready. Now remember, the disciples are hearing Jesus saying this on their behalf. They're kind of overhearing it. He turns away from them and turns to God. How powerful this moment is for these disciples to hear the Son of God praying for them, to speaking to speak on their behalf. It is so powerful. And this is true for us as well. We, too, are disciples. We, too, have been in training. We've walked with Jesus and his disciples. We've struggled and doubted and denied and failed and been afraid. All of us. But despite all of that... Jesus, in verse 11, says, Now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. We're still here. And it's our turn. This is what we've been training for. We haven't gone to be with God yet, and while we're here, there is still work to be done. Jesus prays that God protects us in the name we've been given. Do you know what that name is? Not Jim, not Alice, not Natalia. The name we've been given is Beloved. It is Child of God. In that name, as a child of God, Jesus asks us to be protected as we are out in the world so that they may be one as we are one, he says. So that we still here, may have the same relationship with God that Jesus does. 
so that we may know our place in the kingdom, that we are God's and God is ours, so that we can then go out and build that same kind of relationship with others, so that we can be united with our brothers and sisters and be one with each other as we are one with God, so that we can go out because we're still here and teach and love and serve and give. Then, as we are one with God and each other, we can work together in the world right now to create and redeem and renew. See, we don't need an intermediary anymore. We don't need Jesus here in the space between us and God. We have got this. We've got this. Jesus has given us all we needed to know, and now it's our turn. And just like Jesus, we're going to begin our sending, Prince of Peace, our sending into the world with prayer. So we're going to practice. Right here and now, we are going to pray for each other. And since I know that this has caused pure panic to emerge in the hearts of some of you, I'm going to help you out by giving you some words to say. So I rewrote verses 9 and 10 from today's gospel, and they're going to be cycling through on the screen. So the first one is, God, I am praying today on behalf of Stacy. She is yours. You are hers. Give her, and that blank there is something you're going to have to ask somebody what they need right now, so you're going to have to talk. I know it's terrifying, but you can do it. Protect her in the world as your beloved child so she may be a part of the kingdom you are creating. This is what we're going to do this morning. So I want you to turn to someone next to you, near you, move. you can move around if you're sitting by yourself or there's a distance or you're in groups of three, you can pray in threes, that's cool too. And I want you to share the things that go in the blanks. So the name and the thing that you need right now. Give them protection, wisdom, health, courage, any of those things that you are needing right now. And then pray for each other out loud as Jesus taught us in his gospel. And then we'll come back together. So go to it. You can do it. That wasn't so hard, right? It wasn't that hard. So for those of you who are panicking a little, just take a second, take a nice deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. As I mentioned earlier, when I stopped running for that little while and stopped training, I lost the strength and stamina that I used to have. It was almost shocking how quickly I lost it. Training helps build us up, makes us strong, helps us learn. But we have to keep it up if we want to remain at a certain level. Prayer is important in the life of faith, but it is only hard when we don't do it regularly. When we think it has to be done a certain way in order for it to be right or for it to work. That is not the case. Prayer is a practice. It builds our relationships with God and with each other so that we can be one with God and each other. 
Prayer is disciple training. And how we do it matters a lot less than just doing it. There's a quote from uh, author Max Licato that I have on the front of the prayer cards we send to the people in our cancer support group. And it says, Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers make a difference. Thank goodness, right? God hears the good and the bad and the awkward and the feeble, and that's okay. All of them help strengthen our relationship with God so that we can grow together as one. And in turn, we get to take that same God who loves us and hears us out into the world, a world who desperately needs to know that they are as loved as we are, that they are as heard as we are. So we're going to take some time and listen to a song and see the words of the entire chapter of John 17 on the screen. And we're going to reflect on what they might mean for us as we are called and trained and sent back into the world as God's beloved children. 